A teacher gets fired because she gave kids who did not turn in their homework a zero. Mommy! It's the mom cast. Really, mom? Mommy! Mom! You are listening. Mom cast! The mom cast. Welcome to MomCast. It almost sounds ridiculous, but by now I'm sure you've heard the story. And um, we've got a lot going on this week on MomCast. I'm going to let you know, first and foremost, I'm Stacy McKay. I have our producer, Greg Hansberry. Hello. And I also have a rock and roll mom, <laughs> Christy Kemper, QFM 96. Thank you for popping in. My pleasure. I, I have a feeling that you'll have a lot to say on this quick topic we're going to do. We're going to get to the teacher, but I wanted to let you know... Uh, I'm talking with a best-selling author. Um, She's going to have some help for parents whose child has gone missing, which is like... I can't even imagine. The worst-case scenario you could think of when you don't even know what happened. And we know these days, (laughs) it just seems like more and more of that is going on. So she actually has gone through it, and she's going to give some tips. And I think it's a really important interview. But I wanted to take a moment and maybe do something a little lighter to uh, start with, and the teacher. There was a teacher that made the news because she actually posted that she had gotten fired for giving a couple of her students who hadn't turned in homework zeros. And the policy at her school is that you can't give a grade lower than 50%. Which is still an F. I'm assuming that's Uh if they do letter grades anymore. I don't even know if they do letter grades anymore, but you don't do the work. You get a zero in my book. Well, and that's the thing. They didn't turn anything in. Now, we could debate all day long what the policy should be, because I think probably at the end of the day, we may all agree if you don't turn anything in, it could be a zero. I mean, because if you attempted to turn something in, from what I understand, this was a two-week assignment. My daughter has had those where it's like a journal and there are, you know, different points along the way that need to be done. But then over a couple of weeks, you turn it in. And you might get a percentage if you skip something. Or even if you're late, sometimes the teacher, sometimes the teacher will say, I will accept it a day late, but you will get a percentage off. What the teacher wants is that you at least made an effort. I will give you percentage mm-hmm. if you made the effort. You don't turn anything in. You still get 50% for making absolutely no effort. Is that how we're raising our children this, these days? They get a participation trophy, yeah. too. Well, right. that's, yeah. that's what I'm equating it to is that's exactly yeah. what it sounds like. It's like you don't have to do anything, but we're not going to penalize it for penalize you for it because we don't want you to feel bad. Right. And I think that's why there was such a an outcry about it, because that's that. That's all we hear anymore. Our kids are very entitled and we don't want to hurt their feelings in any way. And I'm sure teachers are put in an incredibly difficult situation these days. And so I want to I want to step beyond the policy because honestly, I mean, come on, that seems like a ridiculous thing. But there were a lot of teachers that have stepped forward to say why, Mm -hmm. because, you know, if you have 10 assignments and the percentages wouldn't work out. In other words, one misstep and you're done for the year. You, uh, it, correct. Yeah. You know, you couldn't recover. So let's talk about why we have those policies. And that's the bigger question. I think it's the parents who, I mean, come on, parents. <laughs> yes. Who among us has called a school because either our child was punished and we want to know if that was why would they punish my child? Or, my, my child's perfect. Or 
I have friends. I am not this mom, but I do have friends that, you know, if it's a B plus instead of an A, they're upset. If it's not the right grade, in other words, it wasn't a bad grade. But it wasn't the grade they felt that their child should have gotten. Right. And so they will call the school. See, that's where I think some of these policies are coming from. I'm, I'm guessing. If I had to guess why, you know, students and teachers are having these issues, I think sometimes it is the parents that are stepping in. And I'm sure part of it also is whether or not the school gets graded on how many kids pass. Well, well, I'm sure that there's that has a lot to do with it. They have standards that they have to adhere to and to make sure sure the graduation rates stay up high and students moving from one grade to the next. You you want them to move forward. but, But so let's talk about. The parenting styles, because your daughter's older. We've got Greg, who's got little ones. Yeah, Davis is just in kindergarten, so we're just now getting into this. Right, and you're going to start to see more Mm -hmm. and more. You'll have these moments where you maybe feel like you should call. I I don't know. I honestly can tell you, my daughter's 12. I've never called or emailed about a grade. I I never did. When my daughter was in school, ever. Mm -hmm. She came home with a bad grade or a note from a teacher. I held her accountable for that. I, I didn't think it was the teacher's fault for giving them a bat or had something against, you know, my daughter. No, you you got to own it. So I never called, emailed, anything like that. Now, I will say we had a situation where my daughter, um, she broke her arm at school. She was on the monkey bars and she fell. And I got a note from the nurse as anytime any little incident happens, and Greg, you're going to find this out, any bump or bruise or anything. <laughs> There's they, documentation. They document, oh, I bet. Right? Yeah. So I got the high, and I was working. Um, we were, uh, oddly enough, at Nationwide Children's Hospital, which is our local children's <laughs> hospital. And we were raising money for the kids, um, and I was there. So did they bring her to the hospital? They did later, but that not <laughs> not for the reason you think. Um, I got a note from the nurse that said Olivia fell. She was on the monkey bars and she tried to skip, you know, a few of the bars as you know they try to do, and she fell and she came down and it looks like she broke her fall with her hands. She put her hands okay, behind her, brace herself, and yeah. braced herself when she came down. But I looked at it and I think she's fine. And sh- and then she said this. And honestly, she was crying more because she was missing a pep rally than because of pain, in my opinion. She put that at the end. So I thought, okay. So my husband brought Liv to the hospital just to be there for the grand finale of our big fundraiser. Okay, That's why he brought her there. So she's there. I go over and I check her and she seems... I said, tell me what happened. She told me. Was she in pain? Did she say that she She said it hurts a little bit and I think it might be broken. And I kind of looked at it and there was like literally no swelling. So I said, no, sweetie, it probably isn't. And I asked her to move it and she was able to move it and everything seemed okay. So it gets worse. The next morning she wakes up and it's black and blue and swollen. So I take her to the urgent care just in case. I'm like, I really don't think your nurse said, I don't think... Well, not only was it broken in one place, it was broken in two spots. So, so, yeah. So, but then I I have to tell you, I got a little snarky then. Well, I would, uh, I I don't blame you. And I said, because I wanted to let them know what happened. By the way. Yeah, by the way, (laughs) I realize Olivia probably was a little upset, but, and by the way, it's broken in two places. 
So what response did you get? I didn't get a response. I didn't get a response. <laughs> I got a response from the head of the school who uh-huh. I also copied on it that said, "Oh no, we'll watch her and try to, you know, if she needs anything, let us know." And it was very kind. But she probably didn't know that it even happened. I wanted to Well, let yeah. the nurse know. So I have done that, and it was a little snarky, I admit. And she probably gets notes like that from parents all the time, and it's hard to know with kids. So I really don't fault her because, um, yeah, as I mentioned, I had her at the hospital and still thought she was fine myself. Well, based on what you had been told. Right. And you looked at it yourself, and she seemed fine, but still. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I tried to kind of fall in the middle When I was younger, I was in fourth grade, and we had a teacher that was kind of honestly abusive, and she slapped me across the face, and the boy next to me had been talking, and the two boys, like, to my right were talky, 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 and I said, little miss, shh, (laughs) and she came over and slapped all three of us across the face. And then, well, that wouldn't fly today. No, are you kidding? And and by the way, this is no, because teachers are great. Um, so she then also to cover, I guess, sent a note to my mom and said I had been misbehaving and my mom, I got home and I got a spanking from your mom. I got a spanking because the from teacher my mom said that because you had the been... teacher said I had been misbehaving and all of these things. Well, I kept saying, but mom, I, I, I you know, and she wasn't listening to me because she believed she the was, teacher. She was, and she was trying to not be that parent that says, you know, she even said something to that effect you know what? I'm not the parent that says anything goes with their kid. If you're misbehaving, you get in trouble. You know, and that's the bottom line. Um, later, the teacher got fired because she did there all had kinds to be, of things. I was going to say there had to be other she instances. She did a lot of really abusive things, and she was older, and I don't know that that was part of it. Maybe she'd just been teaching too long. Spare the rod, spoil the child. I, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know, but she had hit, struck a couple of kids Mm. along the way. Um, But I always remembered that and thought, well, I don't want to be... Well, I don't want to excuse my kid from stuff. I want to at least listen. Right. You know what I mean? So I try to listen. Um, But I think that we are too quick these days to come down hard on teachers. I mean, I yeah. really do. As, have, as opposed to the, the kids, yeah. Yeah, and I, th- I think you've played it right with the school nurse. You have to play the middle. My, my mom worked was a school secretary for the entire time that I was growing oh, wow. up, and my wife uh, was a teacher for several years. So uh, it's funny because when I watch them how they interact with the teachers and like things. I learn a lot because they don't ever pipe up. My mom never did when I was a kid. And my, Mallory, my wife, has only piped up once. But it was something that really got under their skin, something that really bothered them in a, in a big picture thing. It wasn't a little misbehaving thing or this or that. So that's kind of how I'm, I feel like I'm going to be approaching it as the kids go to school. When you do pipe in with teachers, it's going to, A, make sure it counts, yeah. you know, pick your right, battles. Right. And B, when you do, then the teacher will be like, when you're not tripping on them every week about emails about this and this and this, when you do pipe in, then they're going to be like, oh, man, man, I got to take this this uh you know this seriously see and i never even when i was growing up i mean whatever i did at school i i earned what i did at school and my mom 
dad never had to interfere with anything. And I think that's just kind of the role that I took with my own daughter is she's at school. She knows what she's supposed to be doing. If she doesn't do an assignment or she doesn't get in a play or she didn't, you know, earn her her seat in orchestra or whatever. You know, I'm not going to blame anybody, you know, but her try a little bit harder next time. Life lessons, right? life lessons. Well, and how many kids? Because, again, I, and when I say I have friends, I'm not kidding. It's, you know, <laughs> it's, I'm asking for a friend. Um, no, I have friends that their kids, they know their mom or their dad is going to call the school over every little thing. Ugh. And so they stand there and they know. You know what I mean? It changes their attitude. And they think that that's the way life is going to be. Yeah. The older they get, I'm good. Someone's going to take care of my problems mm-hmm. for me. And and I think that's a, I think that's a horrible precedent for anything because it doesn't work out that way. Is but that the you term know, lawnmower parents? I mean, does that does that fall under that category? I think it might where you try to clear the path for them in every in, situation. In, uh, right. Right. Isn't that what you're good doing? or bad? Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't work Who has the work time and way. energy for that anyway? <laughs> <laughs> I can't get my own life together, let alone my kids. Right, right. Who can do that? I mean, even when there have been times when, like, a teacher has contacted me, it's been hard for me to even sit down and respond right. to something. You don't have the time for that. But there are parents that do, that maybe are stay-at-home or not that, and that's, well, that's I shouldn't their even job. say that that's because their they're busy. I, I get that. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but I just think you can tell a kid hears you. That's, I guess that's my point. Your child will hear you if you're always calling the teacher and smoothing things over. And they expect that. If the, the more you do it, the more that they know that they can get away with it. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I think now how I am, my I just can remember my mom going, <laughs> no, <laughs> I did, you know, anytime I got in trouble, I was in trouble Twice she would. You're in trouble twice. You're in trouble at school, and then, then I almost trouble, yeah. think, okay, which is worse? Because then I knew I had to go home and face my mom, and most of it was justified. Other than that one, you know, that, that one, one example I gave, I was always in trouble. I was always getting, you know, I was talky. talky, talky. <laughs> oh, I know. that's hard to believe. There's Stacy McKay. Yeah. <laughs> so you were one as well. That's the only time I really ever got in trouble with school. Christy just talks a lot. Mm-hmm. She needs to pipe down, and then I would go home and talked to my mom and she always had this habit of raising the one eyebrow okay. <laughs> yeah Marilyn's eyebrow would go up and <laughs> you knew that she found out that you got in trouble at school doing something feared Marilyn's eyebrow <laughs> oh yeah my mom would be outside waiting but isn't that funny see now ha those of you that said we shouldn't talk <laughs> see look what happens now you can't shut us up <laughs> yeah we don't have to shut up um, but yeah, so let us know what you think about that. You can let us know on Facebook. Uh, many of you have already commented on the whole teacher thing. And I, I think I, I kind of crack up because I know the first thing we're going to hear is that's why kids are entitled today. Yeah. Um, and that's an easy response to it. It's one of the many reasons probably, but I, if we look within, I mean, try to think more about that. What would you do? What did your parents do? Um, I don't know. To me, you just we have there have to be consequences. There has everything that you do. Life is nothing but consequences if you don't do it right. <laughs> yeah. Guess what? If you don't go to work, you don't get paid. Yeah. If you don't really? do it, yeah. <laughs> Mommy can't call. <laughs> well, she could, but it's not going to get anywhere. So it doesn't work that way in real life. And I, I will be honest, uh, Greg. When I say this, there are certain things I try. Not to think about. And then when you see certain books, um, sometimes I try to stay away from those 
as well. But today we're going to talk to an author I'm really glad I did not do that with. Uh, Strength for Parents of Missing Children, Surviving Divorce, Abduction, Runaways, and Foster Care. Marie White, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And I I want to start with uh, just a little bit about your personal experience. Um, You come... You are an author of many books, by the way. You come to this um, having a child, I guess we'll say a, a missing child. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you, though, in your book, talk about all different types of missing children. Because as a parent, an overprotective parent of, of an only child, um, like I said, I try to stay away from thinking about certain <laughs> things. And yet, I, I can't help it. I think we as parents all think about the worst case scenarios in our life. I think that's a natural part of being a parent. But you've gone through it. But but you talk about all different kinds of missing kids. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, when I wrote this, I thought I was writing for other families like ours, other families who didn't have a guidebook, who didn't have anything to help them, as we didn't, you know, to make it through every single day as we waited, you know, to have news or be reunited with our child. But as I started to do the research for the book to see about, you know, marketing and promoting, I found whole other communities of parents who had children who were missing from their lives. Sometimes they knew where their children were, but legally couldn't go get them, even though they had, you know, court orders of of full custody and things. Um, They were barred from doing that by an ex-spouse or something who would have taken the child and abducted them. Mm -hmm. And I realized it was so much bigger than just what we were going through. And that there were, you know, millions of families going through the same emotions, but different scenarios. Well, and I think the book, I know for me, um, I don't have a missing child. I don't have any of these scenarios going on. And yet it was really helpful. And I think a lot of people will feel that way. Um, but let's talk about parents of missing children. What are they going through physically? Well, that's one of the the things that, you know, again, we were not prepared for. I mean, who could prepare you? Right. But, you know, in in reality, it's just we had taken in so many foster foster children, sorry, um, for so many years that we knew what trauma looked like and we knew what it did to our body. But even in that moment, you are in the trauma, so you don't realize what's happening. Parents who are having a child that's taken from them, whether it's through a divorce, through running away, being taken into foster care, or having a child that's abducted, their bodies become filled with adrenaline and cortisol. And these are the stress hormones that your body produces in order to survive what you're going through. But that can cause your body to eventually have so much adrenaline running through their body for so long that they become, um, they eventually have adrenal fatigue where their body has produced too much for so long that it's done damage internally. And no one really prepares you for that. Well, and you mentioned, I was reading, it caught my attention because I think we take this sort of thing for granted if we haven't gone through any of these types of situations. You talked about finally being able to sleep and what you had to go through, like the guilt or the not guilt, just in that one simple thing, trying to sleep through the night. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I mean, eating sleeping, the things that you take for granted, they're just gone. I mean, it's, I, it took me three days to figure out that the reason I felt like vomiting all the time and couldn't get food in my stomach was because I was going through trauma. Like that's, mm-hmm. you don't even realize when you're in it, 
that your body is going completely insane and that you, to, to be able to sleep, I mean, you're laying in bed, you're re- rehashing every scenario, the moments up to it, what you could have done, what could not have been done, what's going on with your child. You have to train your brain to turn that off or you will never get to sleep. Well, and, and each step you said was kind of like a, a, a victory for you. And then it was back to, well, why, you know, why am I getting so comfortable I'm sleeping? I mean, there's almost guilt when you actually start getting back to some sort of, uh, I don't even want to say normal life, things that you have to do physically to survive. That's absolutely true. And I see this a lot because now, you know, having put this out there and, and being a part of now this community, um, just because I have a resource for them, I see literally 40,000 um, families on these Facebook groups for people that are, are kept from their children. And um, to hear parents say, I had a good day today, and I, I laughed, but I felt so guilty because of that, and I stopped, and I thought, you know, if my children are not laughing, I will not laugh either. Oh. You know, and, and to realize they were just hurting themselves. Sure, and I would think that's a natural emotion. I mean, I've not gone through that, and that to me sounds like something I would feel or do. Right. I mean, you right. and you and you can't live like that. No, and and that's the thing. I don't know. You know, I think those of us. I will say this honestly. For me, I've I've often said that I don't know that I'd make it, and I would of assume course. that that's what most people feel. Yes. Absolutely. And also, it's not like the movies. It's not, you know, you watch um, Saving Private Ryan or something like that, and the mom finds out that four of her five sons have died in a war, and she falls to the floor. And that's not actually what happens when most parents go through this. We don't react in the way that we think we would, because we're so concerned for our child, the same way we would be, you know, if they were there right in front of us, you know, with a broken leg, you immediately go into fight or flight. What do I do next? Do I, do I call a private detective? Do I call the police? Do I run in the street? Do I stay by the window? It becomes this frantic panic mode instead of crumbling to the floor or passing out or things that you see in, in media that are not really how we would handle it. So even though we all say, I could never handle this, when it comes, most people will make it through. But will they make it through in the long term? Right. And, and I know your book helps with that. What... Again, I've not gone through this. What do you say as a friend or loved one to someone who is going through this or going through it now? Um, Well, I would say one of the things you don't say, I'll give you this one also, is um, don't say your child's never coming home. I did have someone say that to me within the first couple of weeks to literally walk up to me and say, your child is not coming home. You need to get over this. Oh, my gosh. And at the time, you know, when it first happened, of course, I wanted to stand there, you know, mouth gaping and just be like, how could you say that? But it it was so great because I really felt like God just gave me wisdom to see past this person's words and realize that they were saying, it hurts me to see you hurting. Would you please stop hoping? Because every time you hope, it's crushing me to see you like that. And so I was able to get past it and let it go. But then within that same you know, a couple of days, someone else came up to me and said, don't worry, your child's going to come home. And I wanted to scream, how do you know? Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized it was me and not the words people were saying. The things people said that 
made us feel good and, and gave us comfort was when I would get a text in the middle of the night, someone saying, hey, I just, you know, got up to go to the bathroom. I thought of you guys and I prayed for your child. Oh, my gosh. Like, that meant everything, to get a, a, a card in the mail, to even get an email saying, you know, I was thinking about you guys or I was praying for you guys and for your child. That changed everything. You mentioned hope, you know, the hope kind of maybe making this continue on and, and give you more, you know, highs and then, of course, the, maybe a low. I, do you give up hope? I mean, is, is hope always positive for you? You know, I don't think it always is. I, it, it takes work to hope. Giving up and, and being negative is really easy and natural. It takes a lot of work to say, even though there's been no new developments in the case for months, I'm still going to hope. I'm still going to cling to that there is hope that our child's going to be home. I'm still going to think about the next school year. And, and I just posted on Facebook about that today, just saying, hey, it, it's, it's school time again. And I had hoped by school time this year, our child would be home, and they're not. And it, it's difficult to go through that season again. But I have the hope that maybe next year, by school time, we'll begin the school year together. Well, I, I know you are a veteran, and I don't mean of this situation. That, that is true, too, but uh, you were in the military. How Did that help you in this situation or hinder you? I think it really helped me and and my family, uh, my husband and other children. I think knowing that when you're in the military, there is no room for failure. Okay, you can't say, "Well, I can't, um, I can't fix this equipment, so I guess we can't go to war." You know, it's, there is no option for that. Right. Um, you learn from really from seasoned veterans that have been in there. Um, they will they will tell you there's no option for failure. You have to make this work. You have to find a way to keep you know, working on this, you know, for myself, I was a mechanic, uh, working on equipment. Like, you have to make it work. This plane has to get in the air. This has to work. There is no option that you don't finish the job. And it's kind of that same mentality. You know, there there is going to be a tomorrow. You have to make it through to that. So there's no option for failure here. You keep going. What would you, I, I know in your book you had, what are the three things you would say to, um, a parent who is going through this, living through this situation right now? Based on what I've seen from the other parents that I've watched go through these situations on on Facebook and that I've met and things like that, I would say the biggest thing you need to do is take care of yourself. Your child, if they're to come home, needs to come home to someone who is in a good state mentally and physically so that they can help that child heal. So taking care of yourself by taking a walk each day so you're getting some fresh air and sunlight. These are things we wouldn't do because all we want to do is be on the computer or be on the phone or or searching or whatever, but we'll do it to the point of insanity. And then we will break down physically and mentally. So you do have to take care of yourself. You need to eat a banana a day. It sounds like the weirdest advice ever, but bananas are the king of mood-boosting superfoods. It's inexpensive, which is always a problem when you're, you have a child that's missing or alienated or, you know, taken away. You're spending a ton of money on that. You need a cheap, easy fix for your mood, and a banana a day can do that. And just to get some sunlight. Again, these are things, that, you know, we want to be searching for our child all the time so we won't take care of ourselves. 
but that will end up hurting us and our children in the, in the long run. Now, I would think, um, obviously, reading your book, and, and you have many books, and we'll tell everyone how to get those, but um, you seem to be doing okay, but your outlook on life, I mean, people make choices, I would think, and maybe the choices made for them, but how has this changed your outlook on life? Because I think it would be easy to be bitter and morose and all of those things negative that you would expect. Oh my gosh, yes. And that would be the default position. That's where I would want to go. And I still find myself going there sometimes where I just want to be like, how and why and what kind of person? And, you know, going into those thoughts and I just realize those are not going to help me. They are not going to make the situation change. And the only person that's going to hurt is me, which then when my child comes home, it's going to hurt them because they don't come home to a bitter, angry person. And that bitterness eats away at us. The, the innocent victims and our children, the innocent victims. And instead, we do have to choose. We have to choose to decide that even though everything in me wants to be angry and bitter and hurt, there's still something bigger that can be accomplished if I choose to put my own feelings aside and see how I can assist other people going through the same thing. Now, I know uh, you, in addition to Strength for Parents and Missing Children, you've written six other books that I I think people would want to take a look at. You're a TEDx speaker. Um, People can find out more about your books and you at mariewhiteauthor.com. They can get Strength for Parents of Missing Children, Surviving Divorce, Abduction, Runaways, and Foster Care pretty much everywhere uh, where books are sold, correct? Absolutely. Well, Marie, I, I thank you for taking time uh, to talk with us today. And I know you're helping a lot of parents. And I also appreciate you bringing into perspective for me and probably a lot of other parents um, to realize that parents can be missing children in many different situations. Not just abduction Absolutely. or yeah, death. It, it There are people as you and I never really thought of it that way to be empathetic toward those parents that have gone through all of these other types of situations as well. It's amazing. I would say 80% of your listeners have some connection to it. Well, I think you're right, and I appreciate you taking time. And, uh, again, I've read the book, and I would recommend it. You don't need to be in this situation to find a way to get something out of it that would be helpful uh, for you as a parent and then also as a loved wonder friend. For someone else. Thank you, Marie. Oh, thank you very much. And thank you for a wonderful interview. Hey, thank you for joining us on MomCast. If you have a topic, maybe something you need help with, you know what? That's why we're here, too. So um, definitely you can uh, post on Facebook. Um, you can shoot us an email. It's hello at momcastshow.com. And uh, we would love to hear from you. Um, Halloween is just around the corner. That's another big one coming up. I can't believe it's that time of year. But yeah, are your kids, Greg, are they, have you already planned? I know you really want input. Oh, so. Halloween's my favorite holiday. Yeah. So of course I want to, I'm, Mabel wanted to be uh, Marshall, you know, from Paw Patrol. Oh yeah. And I kind of put my foot down because I don't know, I think she could be a little, she needs to push herself. She needs to be a little more creative than just Marshall. <laughs> no offense to all the millions of Marshalls out there this year. 
Okay. So I'm going right. to push for a little bit. Nothing's been decided yet. Davis wants to be a vampire already. Nice. So Okay. Um, well, good. So, yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking about that in the <laughs> next couple of weeks. It's just around the corner, and the kids will be dressing up. I don't even know if Liv wants to do it yet this She's getting year. to that age, yeah, isn't she? I think she is. I think at 12, she decided that was the cutoff. So... Uh, have a great week. But yeah, let us know if there's any topics that you would like to discuss. And of course, as always, if you get a chance, if you can give us a review, more people will have a chance to hear Mobcast. Have a great week.